0: Welcome to the
1: Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Davey, a.k.a. Davey on the Run. Through our shared knowledge and experience, we unpack the fascinating topic of running. We speak to coaches, athletes, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to help you improve your running. And
0: ensure that you enjoy every step of the way, wherever the road or trail may take you.
1: This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh, yeah. This Comrades Limited Edition series is brought to you by Mr. Price Sport, the official technical apparel sponsor of the ultimate human race. Worn by the Max Elite Runners and available for purchase at the Comrades Expo. Don't be intimidated though, Mr. Price
0: Sports has gear for everyone. Runners, non-runners, seconders, and even spectators. From dry sport tees to the elite high racer, a full carbon shoe trusted to get the gold. They have everything you need to get on the route at value pricing to help you and your
1: money go the distance. We invite you to hashtag join the journey to Comrades with Mr. Price Sport. Make sure to give them a follow for training tips, motivation, and exclusive giveaways. Catch
0: us at the Comrades Expo, where we'll be set up at the Mr.
1: Price stand. Come by
0: and share your journey of how you got to the start of the 2023 comrades and you could be featured in an upcoming Making a Runner episode. See you there, guys.
1: Nicola. Davide. My man. It is 45 days until the ultimate human race. The ultimate human race. Comrades Marathon. I'm excited. You're not running
0: this year. I'm not running, but I'm excited to see it from a different point of view. Yes. And I tell you what, we must be some of the most fortunate people to just somehow end up in KZN, in yeah. our in our, <laughs> in our time la- uh, in our frame of life. No, uh, 100%. just end up in the in the province that hosts one of well the oldest ultra marathon, the biggest, most supported. And we're very excited to bring to you guys uh, this comrades special edition. As you guys would know, we we've just come off of doing a Total Sports Two Oceans special edition, which
1: got some really good feedback. A yeah. lot of people were saying that they they couldn't have got through Two Oceans without it. So yeah. to do one on comrades, you know, which is arguably the most iconic race in South Africa, or well, I certainly think so, is just really really awesome. So we are actually in the Mr. Price Sports offices today. We we have yeah. got a very special guest in front of us. I don't know if you want to you give, give him an intro. Well, he is the voice behind Comrades. You, if,
0: if you watched Comrades last year or are planning on watching Comrades, he is going to be the soothing voice that you're going to be waking up to in the morning, and he's going to keep you alive for those 12 hours. So it's none other than Mr. Q and Walker, and uh, he is in the studio with us today, and we are just going to be talking about the history of the race, some of his favorite moments. He's grown up with the race in his backyard, and some of his fondest memories through the years. So and thank you so much for being here with us today, and we look forward to the chat.
2: No, thanks, guys. Uh, I must say, I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah. Um, it's on my favorites on Spotify, so I listen to every <laughs> episode. So, yeah, to be here is an honor as well to be with you
0: guys. That's going to be the clickbait. Yeah, we'll, we'll use it. that one. And make sure it's recording on yeah, yeah. camera. QN, <laughs> um, let's start off with simple. Who, who is QN Walker? What, what can people find out a little bit about you here?
2: So, yeah, here's Kun Walker. I, I, I feel like I'm just <laughs> he a random doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just a random guy, but uh, you know, all this, of, of course, people know me in the running industry. Funny story: when I was born, um, I was born on the 29th of May, and it was in 1985. And my dad was a runner himself, so it was two days before the 1985 Comrades Marathon, and which my dad was running that year. And my little birth notice in the newspaper said another little road runner is born. Yeah. So meant to be. Yeah, I think it was just meant to be. And as I went through life, I just had a knack of making friends with, with runners, um, especially elite runners themselves. And just looking at a set of results and remembering it forever. Yeah, I I've been dubbed the, the walking encyclopedia in running. There didn't didn't car. help in in school and college <laughs> and stuff but <laughs> for the sport of running it's it's taken me a lot of places and
1: I'm, and I mean that's you know a skill set that you really have to be using for you know commentary um and it's I mean it's not something that everybody can do so so that's something that's really gotten you into commentary I mean you know everybody and and, and it's and you know the race you know the yeah, race you know back the to race. front why yeah. is
0: that i mean w- were you as a child very involved in the race was your dad carry, carried on running that race as you grew up so my dad carried on running the race. I think he, he did about nine
2: Comrades Marathons in total. But I don't know, something just struck me with the Comrades Marathon, which I'm sure it has with many people, and they don't call it the ultimate human race for nothing. I think, yeah, you know, the funny story of how I got into more of the, the commentating and stuff, it was the 1997 Comrades Marathon. I was living in Durban, and I bunked school to go down to the expo. And I got to the expo. And to my dismay, the expo was actually closed. So that year they shortened it. Instead of the normal three days, it was a two days. So I stood outside the gate thinking, like, okay, I've I've bunked school. I can't really, like, go to school now. So I found my way into the expo. And uh, everyone was still setting up everything. And there was a gentleman who was by the history gallery, which was my favorite part of the expo. had photos and stats of the race from 1921 all the way to present. And... I recognized the guy, and it was the late Barry Varty. He was a former chairperson of Comrades. So I went to him, and I was like, Hi, can I help you um, setting up? <laughs> so he looked at me like, who's this, who this kid Yeah, I was only 12. And long story short, I, I basically ended up helping him with the, with the um, history gallery. He then took me to Cheryl Wynn, who herself was a, a former chairperson of Comrades, former winner of the race as well. And she was just struck by my knowledge of the race. At 12 years old. At 12 years old. That,
1: that same year, they put me on the press truck. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen the picture. And that, that is what I, what I wanted to speak about, is, is there's such a cool photo of you actually on there. Yeah. Um, so, so was that, that same year they invited you on there?
2: Um, yeah, I think that photo was maybe three or four years after the first time I went. But yeah, they basically put me on the press truck. And the first time I went on it was quite funny because... I'm literally just a kid sitting on the truck, and the journalists, the seasoned journalists who have been on the truck, and I'm basically telling them who's who, the spelling <laughs> of their names, the results, and yeah, it became, that was, that was, I was just put on the press track each year, wow. at comrades, to help the journalists, and, and then I, the one year it got extended to two trucks, and then it was like, on the morning of the race, fighting over who's going to get killed on the truck, so yeah and and
1: how do you learn these guys names because also with the new guys coming coming through and and all of that i mean i mean where were you getting this information from i mean just watching the runners being in that space or or talk us through that
2: yeah so back then it's it's an interesting question because there wasn't social media at the time or anything so i think it was more just watching races on tv whenever races did come on tv um, being in KZN, I, I became friends with a lot of the top runners because I'm a, I'm a shy person um, in general, but when it comes to the elite runners, I think I just associate with them so well that I just became friends with them. Sure. So I get inside info and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's taken me from not only commentating but also managing elite runners Correct. Um, coaching runners as well so
0: yeah it's a full circle she wow that's yeah. it's an incredible story and it's amazing how it has come around full circle and it's it's fair to say that then the guys that turn on the TV in the morning are really getting some serious insights into the race so whether you're running or not please make sure to tune in on the 11th of June because you are going to learn a lot about those runners a lot about the background and Q's style of commentating has just got a way of keeping you involved in the race and I think the way that the the race day coverage has evolved over the couple of years that they've, they've been doing a really great job of it especially supersport nowadays even if you're watching any other other races it's really gripping to watch so we're really hopeful for a nice and exciting race this year we're going to get into QN's uh, sort of uh, little little tips about the race uh, but before that I want to just ask you what makes Comrades such a special event for you?
2: It's it's a race that challenges you both physically and mentally. Um, I always, my little catchphrase when I commentate is that I think any able-bodied South African has to run Comrades at least once in their life. Okay, maybe twice because you need an <laughs> up and a down and then you're a real Comrades runner. But it's just, I, I always say that it's, a, it's an event that's, it's a journey, it's a life experience. It's not necessarily a race yes we have the top runners in front and it's all fun and games and lots of prize money on offer and stuff but to run comrades it's it's a life experience you can be unemployed you can be a gardener you, you you're running next to an accountant a ceo of a business you you make friends along the way not only during the race but you know that the training journey leading up to the race is just I get goosebumps whenever I think of the yeah. Comrade's Marathon yes. and it's like, like, you know, just doing a, a run on the Comrade's route. I, yeah. I can do runs anywhere in the country, but there's something about <laughs> the Comrade's so route iconic. where yeah. it's so iconic and there have been thousands and thousands of legends. Whether you a winner of the race or an 11-hour finisher, you're a legend and there's been thousands of legends ahead of you showing that journey. Yeah, it's just, it's it's
1: an epic race. And what about your experience with comrades? Because obviously, I mean, I know you're also a runner, maybe um, not so much now that you want to be, but how many comrades have you done?
2: Yeah, so I've started like five comrades, but I was, in the first one, I was an unofficial pacer for for a lady that um, was a gold medal contender, but then she didn't end up finishing that year, but I finished three comrades. The sad part with my history with Comrades and running is that I've never been 100% fit for the race. I've always had an injury. Um, I mean, when I got my Bull Roan medal in 2007, I should never have even started the race. I was badly injured, and I landed up in ICU after the race. And after that race, I was like, never the same again. (laughs) But I still went and did it one more time, and I still do want to run the race, but... Yeah, so this year I had entered and everything and then super Sport were like... Hey. <laughs> we need you, man. Yeah, we, we need <laughs> yeah. you, so... It's but a I, tough
1: choice. But eh? I think that yeah.
0: speaks to the the massive task that people find themselves when they get to that starting line. And I like what you mentioned there because, you know, everyone starts at a different point, regardless of what your running background is, whether it's your first year of running and you now decide to run the comrades. But I think a lot of people don't realise what a big undertaking it is. And it, it's easy to get excited about it. It's easy to watch it... Uh, and get excited and say, oh, I'm going to do comrades next year. But realistically, we always speak about it on the podcast. It's one of those things that takes time and years of experience to really build up to. So, you know, we we hope that you can get back onto that bandwagon and hopefully Supersport will allow you some time off
1: at some stage. But, <laughs> man, we need to find a replacement for you. I have a case. suggestion. A you do a live commentary while you're running.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would actually be epic. Yeah, just just <laughs> put a mark on me and just go. <laughs> I think it will be more from the back, though, because I, I don't picture myself running next to, like... <laughs> Tete Dijana saying, Hey Teta, how are you feeling? <laughs>
0: a, a, a little bit difficult. And and while since we mentioned last year's winner, what are we thinking for this year in terms of contenders? Uh obviously it's it's always it always ends up being quite a hot field both in the ladies and men's race. So have you got any ideas? I mean, have you got some insight from uh, the the guys themselves as to He does, he's smiling. <laughs> he's, he he's smiling. Maybe he doesn't <laughs> want to tell us fully, but let's let's hear it.
2: Yeah, I can't can't give away too much. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll have to tune in to Supersport on the, oh, on the there day there to to, I'm to I'm check that out.
0: I, I must say, you got the Boston Marathon
1: smack bang <laughs> on, eh? Uh, through yeah. your Twitter account, <laughs> yeah. uh. I, I want to quickly ask about. I know this is not related. We're talking about comrades, but I have to ask you while you're here. Two oceans, right? Give more winning that race. Did you Did you expect it? Did you think it was going to happen? Yeah, definitely I did. Um, I didn't write any predictions before the race, but I
2: remember on the Friday before the race, uh, Martin and Gwenya, who's the, ch- the team manager of the Max Elite Mr. Price Sport team, he asked me who I thought was the, the main guys, and I had Dan Machalwe from Netbank, um, of course, Corner as well, uh, Le Pena from the Max Elite team, and I was like, but don't write off Give More. Yeah. And he was like, but why would you say that? And I was like, no, the guy ran a 2.17 marathon this year, He's coached by Hendrik Romala. Anderson's first two oceans, he doesn't right. know the pain of a two oceans marathon, and then yeah,
1: as we know now, he he's the, the winner. Yeah. Okay. Well, brilliant. Thanks for that. that there's that. Your, there's thanks, your insight. Thanks for clarifying that. But back on to comrades. If we had to put it down to some uh,
0: some top contenders and the reason why behind those top contenders, what would you say? Let's start off with the with the men's race.
2: Yeah. So the men's race, it's going to be very hard, of course, to beat uh, the netbank bank team. Um, they they're just so professional. They have a structure where all six people from Dave Adams' uh, training group got golden comrades last year. They had number one, two, three, four in the men, fifth place in the ladies with Kalat Singh Mecho, who was, you know, on debut comrades runner. I think it's going to be very hard to beat them. Um, Tete Dijana, as we know, since winning comrades has now also unofficially broken a world fifty-kilometer mm. record. But it's more that he went through the marathon mark in 2 hours, 12 minutes and then sped up after that. That makes him the danger man. I think in coursey Corner, if he does run, there's also going to be someone to look out for. Bongusam Tembu can never write him off. Um, and then on the Max Elite team, you've got uh, Charles Giane who's going to be like 49, but <laughs> he got a gold last year and he always has a, a strong finisher. Uh, Labenian Korka from Lesotho. There's, there's a whole host of Lesotho mm-hmm. guys from mm-hmm. Maxed. Who are coming through for Comrades seriously this year? So Martin has been, you know, preparing the guys, and his team is looking good. And then there's one unknown mm. that's coming to Comrades, David,
1: gonna, David Fick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, of course. I don't <laughs> want no, to give no, your race no, tactics away. Don't ride him off. The, the wild card on eh? the bicycle. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I don't want to give your tactics away too much, but um, there is a guy coming who I've organised to come and run Comrades. He's from Japan. He's a training partner, former training partner of Elliot Kipchoge. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's a 208 two th- marathon runner and he, his l- latest marathon this year was Tokyo Marathon We ran 211. Is this
1: an exclusive? Is it, are, are people hearing it here first?
2: <laughs> yeah, well it's, yes. it's, it's, it's not hard to go and f- look on the entry list and find what his name is. But <laughs> ah, yes, okay. There will be a Japanese guy that is... And, and who's he running for? It's not confirmed yet, but I think he'll be running for Ned Bank as he's a Nike athlete. Okay,
1: Brilliant.
0: Yeah. And if, if we have to move on to the ladies' race, do you think it's a slam dunk or is it going to be <sighs> a, 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 a hot race as well?
2: <laughs> I think it's going to be a hot race. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that it's going to be a slam dunk because um, then it's, it can make the race a little bit boring as well. But uh, I think we definitely in for an exciting race. I mean, we saw what Kader did in Two Oceans was phenomenal and whether she can now do that again on the down run. I'll say whether she can, because she hasn't won a down run yet. So, you know, the down and the up run is two completely different races. You get guys who can do well in both, and then you get guys who are only good on the down and only good on the up. So Anne Ashworth, who won in 2018, she's looking mean for, for looking this year's mean. race as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, Adele Broderick, she was um, third last year on debut, Morozova, the Russian lady, she will be coming yeah. back again. Oh, really? So it's going to be a, a really ding-dong battle in the front for the ladies' <laughs> race. Ding-dong
0: battle, I love that. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what you want. If you're, if you're going to be watching the race for, you know, five, six hours, it's going to be a really good thing to keep you captivated, you know? Yeah. Um, in terms of any records, is there is there potential for that 5.18 downrun record?
2: You know, it, on on comrades, it's a hard one to, to say because records... You can get you can get records two ways. You can either go to a run preparing for a record and going out at a proper pace, or everything just aligns on the day. And I think Comrades is one of those where everything has to align on the day. You don't necessarily yeah. go out at a pace looking for a record because it's so far. So I don't I wouldn't say people are going for the record. But I think we, we will, if the, rec- if the weather and stuff is good, I think that record is a big, big possibility in both men's and women's races.
0: And I want to talk about that record, that downrun record. I believe there's a, there's a special story around it yeah. related to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, so of course, so back in 2012, uh, when I used to previously manage the, the Max Delete team, the business made a, de- a decision where they wanted their elite athletes to run in Max Elite footwear. So myself, um, two of the buyers from the, the business and one of the the athletes, Prodigal, who used to run mm-hmm. for the team, we jumped on a plane, went to China and went to all these different shoe factories and we came up with the Max Elite Racer, which was the, the racing shoe at the time. And that was in 2012. The, the first race that they ran with was 2013 Comrades and it ended up getting golds and everything, but to the record, when the record was set, the men's record, 5.18.19 by David Katebe, mm. it's like, I still get goosebumps thinking about it because it, it's, it's an insane time. It's like 3.32 average or something crazy like that for 90 yeah. kilometers. And yeah, it, it, it's really crazy. And um, I was managing the, the, the Max Delete team at that time. And we had another team that we used to sponsor as well called TomTom uh, Tom Running Club, which was managed by John Hamlet. And the day before the race, when I was giving the pre-team talk to, to the runners, the TomTom Tom guys were there as well. And that year of Comrades was, the, my birthday was on the 29th of May, and Comrades that year was on the 29th of May. So we always give a pre-talk to the guys, you know, what to do, what not to do, check their kit, check their shoes make sure that their chip is on the shoe because you know, I've got stories of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I basically just as a joke said to the guys, like, okay, guys, just before we go, I want gold medals tomorrow and it's my birthday tomorrow, so bring me some, some, extra, some extra golds. Yeah. And David Kateve put his hand up and said, we'll bring you the record. And then the next day... David Katebe goes and smashes a record and does 10 push-ups at the finish. I I still (laughs) got goosebumps thinking of it. And
0: and David was once a petrol attendant, is that correct?
2: Yeah, he was a petrol attendant.
0: (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, that's just one of the incredible stories I'm sure that you have throughout the years. If there's any others that sort of stand out that you could uh, share with our audience, what would those be? If you love the work we are doing and the impact that Making a Runner has had on the running
1: community so far then why not become an official Making a Runner fan? That's right guys, Making a Runner is now on Patreon. Although this started purely as a passion project, we have had to become realistic about the time and cost of running a successful podcast. And that is why we've decided to set up a Patreon membership where our fans can make a pledge to support our work and help us further expand our reach into the greater global running community. If you're not in the position to commit to something like this, that's okay. We appreciate each and every listen, and owe all our success to you. But if you want to make a pledge and become a super
0: fan of the show, make sure to go and visit patreon.com/forward/slash/making-a-runner. Thank you for your continued support, and enjoy the rest of the show.
2: Um, there's there, there's a lot um, from from myself running the race as well. Just you know, to seeing guys battling along the way and clawing their way their, their way back. Um, we've had athletes who have come into the race with the worst possible build-ups ever, and yet they've run their best races ever. So like, I remember back in 2006, uh, Franz Chauke, who back at that time was known as the rabbit, he used to always go out fast and get TV time, and then he would like literally figuratively die towards the end. And going into the 2006 race, Franz had put on a lot of weight. He was like, yeah... (laughs) I would say he would battle even at a bull run. Like, he put on a lot of weight. So, March March 2006, he was still way overweight. And when I mean way overweight, I'm talking like 15, 16 kilograms, which for an elite runner, is it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And he ran two oceans that year, um, finished sub four. I think he did like 340-something. But for a guy who's running 312 at two oceans, it's a bad time for him. But he went into the comrades training camp, and he just gave it his all – Still arrived at Comrades a little bit porky, but he had <laughs> lost a lot of weight. And on race day, the guy went out in front, took the lead in, in Westville on an uprun, and they only saw him again at Umlas Road with 18 k's to go. That's where they, they caught him. She's and he, he was absolutely finished, but through the seconding of, of our guys on the road and motivating him and giving him his drinks and just pushing him, pushing him, he managed to hold on to a gold medal, and he finished ninth that year on Unbelievable. the Unbelievable. Yeah, so yeah, there's there's plenty of guys like um, Leboka Norto who's almost seven foot tall. He is huge. He, he actually he only runs in uh, half tights underneath his running shorts. <laughs> and I remember in 2007, and we, we've had many stories like this where I'm I'm laying in the hotel because we stay with the team at the hotel, and I get a knock on the door and open it and he has this big guy Leboka Norto standing there, and he says to me, "Kyun, I don't have." My tarts, I can't find them. <laughs> and it was like a mound thing for this guy where he had to run with tarts underneath his shorts. So it's like literally the night before the race. There's nothing we can do now. So I phoned my friend Gwen, who used to be the team manager before at the Mr. Price team. She was an Olympian as well. She only had a pair of three-quarter tarts. <laughs> so, and they were a lot smaller than what Levoko or would wear. So anyway, we were like, said to him, you can wear these tarts if you want. He put the three quarter tights on, they came to above his knees. <laughs> but comrades downrun, it was that year two thousand seven, he was still leading the race into Fields Hill on on the downrun and he ended up coming third with those three quarter but tights that were so above his knees. <clears throat> so
1: anything can happen, eh?
2: <laughs> Literally anything can happen. I've had previous comrades' winners come to me the night before the race to say they can't find their vest. Uh, they didn't pack their vest. It's like now <laughs> I have to drive to the office at eight o'clock at night, look for a vest. Yeah, it's Elite runners are very fast, but they're far from <laughs> professional. <laughs> but we
1: are all very fond memories of the race itself. Yeah,
2: no, it's such fun memories. I mean, I, I wish that I could even produce a show, like, like a television show, just to bring the viewers into the lives of these elite guys, like Fusi and Lapo, who is a former winner himself. He used to run for the Max City team. He's a pastor as well. You know, the, the journeys that these guys have led to, to them... Not just being elite runners, but the stuff they go through, um, the communities that they're involved in—it's, uh, yeah, there's stories for days, and yeah. I, I wish those stories could be told because these guys are, are far from just guys you can run extraordinary they're they amazing humans as well for sure well yeah. that's
0: all you're seeing when you're seeing on TV you know if someone that doesn't know too much about the runners they're seeing these guys running first of all they can't understand how fast they're actually running because they look so easy doing it so if you actually go and stand on the sides of the road and you watch these guys come past you you won't believe how fast they're running and then as you say the the backgrounds and the stories of how they got into the sport or what they're doing to give back to the community, it's exceptional. So I think, you know, running is one of those sports that has the ability to unite us. And these are prime examples of that, regardless of your backgrounds, um, you know, the day before the race, whether you are going for the win or not. It doesn't always go according to plan as to exactly what it looks like on, on TV during the day. Um, you, you mentioned you used to be quite involved in the Max Delete Running Club. Obviously, we're going to have uh, Martin Gwenya who now heads up the, uh, the Max Delete Running Club, in one of our uh, special feature episodes coming up. But from your side, obviously, Max Delete have now also gone into... Developing their shoes even further from when you were first involved uh, to now the point where they also have an elite racer and a normal, you know, normal running shoes as well. Can you give us a little bit of insight into into the running shoe lineup of, of Maxed?
2: Yeah, sure. So previously, I was very involved with the the shoes. Uh, I'm not anymore now, but I am still on the ground in the office, speaking to the guys, um, seeing the feedback that Martin gets from from the athletes, and yeah, they've got a full carbon racer now. It's called the the Ha Racer, and it it retails for two six nine nine in store. And then there's also the KM700 run, which is 1299, which uh, has got a full nylon plate. So it's a little bit of a difference, you know. A little bit stiffer still. Yeah, a little bit stiffer, but yeah, just the feedback from from the guys and the results speak themselves. I mean, Martin's uh, athletes in two oceans, there were three of them in the top 10. The one guy almost nearly won the race. They only caught him with 5Ks to go and he was running in the high racer and yeah, so Some of these guys have been saying it's like it's the best shoe they've ever run with. Um, so the feedback has been really good. Mm-hmm. Also with super shoes generally you don't get that much mileage out of them. you know the the foam is so yeah. critical and it has to be because it's it's not supposed to last long. it's a lightweight racing shoe. but a lot of these guys have been getting over 500 600 kilometers in a high <sighs> racer. Which I mean, when you work out the price, 2699, yeah. nine, it's really good value for money. Yeah, and we worked out net. the price
1: for some other pairs yeah. of shoes selling for like five grand. It actually costs you like 12 rand 50 a kilometer. Yeah, it's literally. More literally yeah. Than yeah. Diesel. Yeah,
2: yeah, literally like um, in, in other <laughs> big brands, you're getting shoes that are five, 6,000 rand. And at max, you can get maybe 300 350 yeah. Ks out of them. But yeah, from the feedback and, and the testing that the guys were doing with Martin, yeah, so they
0: came in with heavy mileage, and the rubber underneath everything still looked really good. And you know, you mentioned when you were involved, how you guys would travel to to the far east, and you know, you, what what does that process even look like? You know, I've read it in books, uh, but I want to hear it from from the ground. I mean, you just walk in, finding factories.
1: What oh, a fast shoe! <laughs> Yeah, it it, it, it was quite
2: a it was quite an interesting uh, trip because it was my first time ever to the east as well. And then for Prodigal who was with us, I've got a funny story about what happened in a meeting when we when we did that. But yeah, it 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 was like it was insane. You you arrive in China and it's just these huge buildings everywhere, and you go to all these different factories and you walk in the factories and you see the footwear being produced on the lines and you see big brands as well. So. You basically go to a factory that will do the uppers, and then you go to another factory that just does the midsoles. And yeah, you know, like we went to one midsole factory, and it literally it's just thousands and thousands and thousands of different midsoles. So if you didn't have your own midsole in in mind, they could literally just develop one similar right to whatever there. was there. Yeah.
0: it it was crazy (laughs) that is absolutely crazy I mean I'm sure how those factories have now developed obviously into the 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 super shoe market growing the way that it has and like you say the fact is if you want a shoe that's going to last you a long time a super shoe is not that shoe for you but The the improvements that you get through running in a super shoe, obviously if you're a certain level runner, it's not to say that every single individual should be putting on a super shoe and all of a sudden you're going to feel much faster and you're going to get improvements, but the improvements that you do get from that super shoe are marked i mean it's it helps you with the recovery it helps you with the perceived effort when you're going out there depending on the structure of the shoe you know it either rocks you in a forward direction i mean if you've gone to a shop and put a super shoe on um you can feel immediately wow there's a little bit of a jetpack on these things and where do you sit sort of on the on the argument of you know the technological advancements of the sport so
2: I think I, I'm, I'm well known to be vocal on Twitter that whenever there's a race on and the commentators mention the, the carbon shoes, it really grates me <laughs> because it's like, they're basically saying, oh, these guys are running these times because of the shoe. And the shoe ran 201. It wasn't Elliot. And I'm like, no, guys, no. it's, it's yeah. not. And I feel that there's good things to them and there's bad things to them. Of course, you can't train in a carbon shoe every single day because... I don't think it's mimic, mimicking your, your foot exactly how it should be. So I would only use carbon shoes for those special races and, of course, your speed work sessions and stuff. But I think just the the perceived thing that if you put the shoe on, you're going to be fast. It's not like that at all. I mean, I've put the shoes on. I'm not fast. <laughs> <laughs> so you still have to do the training and everything. Yes, it, it, it helps you, especially in terms of recovery. Uh, you know, I think... If you had to ask me my, my honest opinion on the shoes, I think that a social runner would benefit more from a super shoe than an elite runner. Because to me, a super shoe is bringing you up to the correct form, it's helping you to do your form, and an elite runner is so efficient in their form already that it's not going to make that much difference. Whereas a social runner who's landing on their heels and everything, now they're being brought to their forefoot, it really makes a big difference. And even with the elites, you get some guys who are responders you get some guys that are not responders and you get some guys who are super responders so it it makes it a bit of an unfair playing ground but having said that all the different brands now have a good shoe and yeah, yeah
0: and technology is there to stay it's a part of the sport it's a part of improving the sport and i think it, it improves the overall experience if you know like you said your average joe's can start to feel a little bit more
1: like uh, your head stains of the world when they're running as well I also just wanted to ask, I mean, I mean, obviously, like with your, you know, your big, your big brand names, like, do you do you think we're reaching like a a ceiling in terms of what can be done with these shoes? Or I mean, I mean, because I keep asking myself, like, what next? You know, like, this brand does one thing, everybody, you know, follows suit and all of that. But I mean, in your opinion, what else can they do to these shoes? So I don't think we're reaching a, a ceiling I think World
2: Athletics, the governing body, has definitely put a ceiling on things by restricting the um, uh, you know the, the heel stack the and yeah, 40, you know, 40 mil. But there's also ways around that as well. <laughs> um, so I think they've definitely put a ceiling on on in terms of what can be done. But the thing with technology, it's it's always evolving. Mm. Um, we've seen p firm that was coming out three four years ago. There's already different types of foams now that people are experiencing and Um, you know, like trying to experiment with and stuff. So I don't think it's it's reached a ceiling. And if there wasn't any infringements or restrictions from World Athletics, yeah, then you'll be seeing insane things. People will probably be running on, like, pogo sticks or literally, <laughs> I was just going to
1: say, literally some, like, jet rockets in the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I don't think there's a ceiling to it. Eventually, it, w- it will have to get to a point where it's like, okay, guys, this can't is... Can't be any
0: lighter. Can't yeah, be any yeah. more responsive. Yeah,
2: you, it it can't propel you forward <laughs> that much. And, you know, it's it's when records start dropping, um, then it does become a little bit insane, but... Yeah, still there's some times that haven't been run. I mean, if you look at uh, Comrades itself, carbon shoes have been out since 2017. Yet they haven't come
1: anywhere close to David Catavia's time. Sure. So yeah, that's an interesting. I, point. I think I think being a consumer, though, I think we're all excited to keep watching what
0: our oh, progress
1: is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want
0: to before wrapping up this episode, Q, and I want to just chat uh, briefly about. The history of comrades and where you think comrades is going in terms of the growth, what have the numbers been like I mean, ever since you were involved with comrades and also, separate point if you're a rookie runner listening to this with 45 days to go till comrades, I mean if you haven't been doing the training, sorry for you, it's probably a bit too late but what can you expect over the last 40 days of training because that's where it really, it ramps up, it can be quite be quite grueling at that time. What sort of advice would you have for them? So, two separate points there.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so, Comrades is definitely on the upward. You know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, you had around 15,000, 16,000 entries. I remember back in like 2019, 2020, especially, mm-hmm. the numbers were crazy. I mean, entries were open, and within two days, I think it was 25,000 entries were gone. And bear in mind, comrades can take even more entries than that, but they're restricted to the amount of runners they can actually have on the road between Durban and Peter Marinsburg. <laughs> so I think COVID definitely put a dent into that upward trend. We saw less numbers, especially in last year's race. But then when you look at a race like Two Oceans, this year the 56k had double the amount of entries than what it did last year. Huge, so yeah. I think now that you know people are over that COVID hump and also not scared anymore of entering a race and thinking, oh, Turning is the race cancel, even yeah. going to be um, happening or not? I think Comrades definitely, from next year, will start seeing that 25,000 entry cap being Dang sold it. out again in, in two days, yeah.
1: What was the number this year?
2: I think it's just over 20,000, but it, it was capped this year on 20,000. Okay. Yeah, so they they received their, their full quota. And then in terms of, of runners and, and what to do, <laughs> like you said if, if you haven't done the the bulk of your training um yeah it's going to be a very sore journey between <laughs> Peter Marisburg and durban although with seven weeks to go a lot of athletes are still ramping up mileage um you know if, you, if you're down in durban or even if you're not down in durban but you're lucky enough to come and do one of dean's uh, beloved long runs mm. uh, routes the first one is is next week on monday yeah the long runs are starting now the the Big major long runs for the resters, the, the, the root testers, testers. Yeah, everyone's talking about comrades. There's that chill in the air, so you know when it g- starts getting a little bit cold. That's when, like, the bulk of your training has to be done. When the headlamps come
1: out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when
2: the headlamps are coming
0: out.
1: Davey doesn't believe in the. I don't. Lamp. Yeah, I, just, I follow <laughs> someone else's <laughs> light.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but I think if if there's any athletes that are at home now and they they injured and they're thinking, you know, how on earth are they going to run comrades? There's there's two points to it. You still have time to recover. You know, Bruce Fordas, who won the race nine times, always said it's better to go into comrades undercooked <laughs> than overcooked because a that. lot of people will go to comrades with all this mileage in their legs, and they feel like they're Superman and they're like, oh, I did four thousand k's from, from yeah. January to, to race day, <laughs> sure. and my and legs are yeah, my legs are like feel like hard, my quad my are tired. It's, it's I'm so strong, and then the race goes. You're going up TorGate or you're going down Poly Shorts, and you are sweating, and your legs are heavy, and you're thinking, oh, "On earth is happening?" It's you, you. did way too much training, so it's better to go in a little bit under prepared than than over prepared. But if you do have an injury, and I stress this importantly, don't run comrades because comrades will always be there next year, but your health and everything might not be. And I'm talking from experience. Mm-hmm. In 2007. The day before the race, I could not run 100 meters. My, my RTB was absolutely finished. And uh, I shouldn't say it on air, but. They <laughs> say it. People learn the, from your mistakes, guys. The, the Russian twin sisters were running for us at that time. And I had told them, look, guys, I can't even run. I can't run 100 meters. In the, in the hotel for you, I couldn't run. And they gave me some tablets. I think they were anti inflammatory. <laughs> you think? You uh, <laughs> <tablet>. think? Yeah, <laughs> Russian <laughs> tablets. I, I, I think they were. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I popped some of those the day before and then on the way to the start line as well. And I remember standing on the start line thinking, I don't actually know that when the gun goes, I might not be able to run. Like, I couldn't run the day before. Long story short, I ended up running. Um, you ended up winning. No, got, I didn't. got a bull rowing. Yeah, got a bull rowing had to take one more tablet when I got to kloof to, to carry oh on because my ITV started hurting the Russian, really bad. The Russian tablet. Russian tablet. No, this one was a Voltaren Imogel, yeah. Uh, okay, Emagel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, long story short, I landed up in, in ICU like two days after the race. And I don't think I've ever been the same since then, especially running-wise. Like, oh. uh, I've really battled with niggles, constant <clears throat> niggles, injuries, injuries. Uh, I uh, had renal failure basically from from the race. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so if you are injured, painkillers aren't. Don't take drugs worth from it. strangers. Yeah, don't take
1: drugs from <laughs> from. Russians. I think the two are related. <laughs> you know, yeah, you took the pills, you ended up in ICU. <laughs> yeah, but, but I got my bull run. You got <laughs> like your bull run, yeah.
0: But I think you make a very good point there, and you know we. we We say that to everyone. It it is not worth it. It's also from an experience perspective. You don't want the experience of the day to be tainted by the fact that you're in pain. You want to go there, enjoy your day, especially if it is your first, if you're a novice runner, go out there and take it all in, take the crowds in. If you're in pain and you're wondering how am I even going to get through the next kilometer, it's not a healthy way of going about running such an incredible race. So if you're not quite there, then I, I, I suggest listening to Kieran as well with that. But Kieran, it's been a real pleasure to get to chat to you today to get a little bit of an understanding behind the voice that everyone can uh, hear on on the day of comrades um is there any final por- uh, parting points that you want to mention that you perhaps feel we haven't covered or are you happy with what we went through today
2: no, oh, I think we, we covered some some good yeah. points. I didn't let out too many yeah. uh, skeletons <laughs> no, in, in no. the cupboard there. <laughs> no, uh, Yeah, I think some runners, uh, some elite runners or former elite runners, will be listening, thinking, "Oh, I hope he's not going to tell my story." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it it, it was a it was a good episode. I'm honored to be here with with you guys. You know, Thanks. you guys are doing so much for the sport. Um, you know, getting the, the word out there and like what you guys did for Two Oceans. It's amazing you're doing for for comrades as well. Yeah, it, it and we we just maybe. so happy
1: to be doing it, you know, with Mr. Price as well. So yeah.
2: And, and maybe to, to put a good luck charm on, on Davey mm-hmm. so it's
1: not my birthday this year for comrades yeah. but bring me back a gold I get it. my yeah. birthday's on the 28th of May though hey just by oh, the way wow. hey, so we're right there we're right there then <laughs> bring so you back a gold did you hear it let's yep. do it Davey I mean, all the way speak to my coach though because 4,000
0: 4, Ks before comrades there's some boy.
1: adjustments that need to be made if we're going to make that happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to do some extra speed work there <laughs> yeah please <laughs> thank
0: you Kieran thank thanks. you for being here thanks, thanks, thanks for having me Thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies.
1: Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.